little session, um, informal session after this one. If, if people are interested in the carpentries, in particular library carpentry, uh, you can meet us at the reception desk area. David Kane over there and I um, are involved in this community and if someone <laughs> wants to get involved, <laughs> uh, join us. Yeah, so let's, we, let's wait a few minutes and then we get started. We have three presentations and they're uh, about skills and stewardship and some other things. Yeah, let's just wait. <laughs> She's wonderful. So Haley, coming to the front. <laughs> so Haley will will speak about uh, developing a course on uh, stepping up skills uh, for research data management, and she's based at the University um, of Turku University, and works in the library and is head of library services for learning. So I hand over to Haley. Thank you. Good morning. First of all, I'm delighted to be here. And so would be my colleague, Jukka Rantasari, who is the first author of our presentation. But due to an overlapping conference, he is not here, but sends his regards. I will tell you about our study concerning RDM skills of graduate students at the University of Turku. University of Turku is the third biggest university in Finland with seven faculties, 20,000 students and 300,400 personnel. Um, in the Turku University Library, we have about 70 employees. No? I mean, oh, there, good. In this presentation, you can see the structure or contents, and I will concentrate on the conducted interviews, the first quantitative results, and the first implementation of the basics of research data management course. We have promised in the data policy of the University of Turku that researchers and students will be provided with training and support in creating data management plans and in data management throughout the research life cycle. Turku University Library has the main responsibility in coordinating data management trainings. So therefore we conducted this study. Uh, research data management, according to university, Edinburgh Data Services Research Data Management is methodological handling of the information generated or reused in an academic research project. We um, chose this definition because it tells the essential content of the RDM concept and is very, put it nice, compact form. Now, we have a gap between the present and targeted RDM skills. The uh, targets for RDM skills come from, uh, most of all, researchers and their needs themselves. High-quality research requires high-quality data. Open science principles, for example, European Commission Open Science Skills Working Group report. So in order to share their data, RDM skills and practices are needed. And in data policies, for example, in data policy of the University of Turku, we say that research data should be shared. The gap between present and the targeted skills have been found in research literature and also in the interviews we conducted in our university last year and this year. 
Implications of the good RDM. It helps you to increase the impact of your research and get you professionally distinguished. Well curated, documented, and organized data makes it possible to reuse, share, and open it. A more efficient use of time, of course, and most, um, to help to succeed in working life. In today's work life, employees are expected to acquire, evaluate, process, and use data to improve practices, develop new services, and get data for decision making. So, the role of the library. Research data can be seen as a part of information ecosystem and thus as one of the information sources. It's important that the library takes a central role in planning RDM, supporting and guiding data management plans, curation, sharing, reuse, and preservation of research data. Library can encourage and guide researchers to use good RDM practices, teach how to use external repositories, how to cite and make data sets citable, and thus get credit of sharing their data. Some libraries even help researchers to negotiate to get closed data sets into their use, licensing data sets, fixing data, data um, visualization, etc. but these are more rare. To our own experience, what is most important is to cooperate with other research support services and researchers themselves in the university. So together in, with de development services, IT services, legal services, innovation and funding services, to plan and produce services and training for researchers. The aim of this study is to find out the importance uh, of RDM skills and doc doctoral students' competencies as ranked doc by doctoral students and faculty members with five-level Likert scale, uh, to plan and implement RDM training for doctoral students, and to evaluate the implementation of the first RDM training we did. So we, uh, we focus on the quantitative results in this first part. Uh, we introduced our project to the faculty deans and the University of Turku Graduate School Management Board. We adapted uh, and revised the interview form from, from the Data Information Literacy Toolkit by Carlson, Sub Nelson, Bracke and White. And we did 34 interviews, um, and we made it uh, the interview form built in the WebRubble database. Uh, we also did the pre- and post-survey uh, in the BRDM course, and also to find out the importance and competencies of graduate students. Contents of the interviews. We, um, we tried to cover the research data lifecycle in generic level, beginning with data collection through the processing and documenting the data to preservation and possible sharing of data. So these are the topics we covered in the interviews we made with the graduate students and uh, doctoral, uh, faculty members. 
So results, what did we get out from the interviews? We measured the importance of REM skills as evaluated by doctoral students and faculty members. And the faculty members' answers are in light blue and the doctoral students in violet. And these are the areas or stages, how, they, uh, how important they saw different stages of REM. Uh, the faculty members' average ranking of all these stages was four, which is very important. And the doctoral students' average ranking was 4.2, so very important. Among the three most important stages were ethics and attribution, data processing and analysis, and data quality and documentation. The five uh, scale, Likert, um, scale we had was that uh, number one was regarded as not important, and number five was regarded as essential. Uh, we also measured skills importance versus doctoral students' present competencies as evaluated by doctoral students and faculty members. And again, with the five-level Likert scale, where number one, number one was no competency and number five was ultimate competence. All interviews ranking for importance was 4.1, so very important. And average ranking for doctoral student competency was 2.5, so they have somewhat competencies. So we can see the gap with the skills or the competencies and the importance of RDM skills. The three uh, best competencies were data processing and analysis, data visualization and representation, and ethics and attribution, as you can see from the radar picture. And the weakest competencies were in data preservation, databases and formats, and management and organization. Uh, as mentioned before, we promised in the data policy of the University of Turku that the researchers and students will be provided with training and support in creating data management plans and in data management throughout their life cycle. And Turku University Library has the main responsibility in coordinating data management trainings. Results of the interview showed the competence gap all along the data life cycle. So we set up a working group consisting of teacher researchers, legal, IT services, research development, etc., and planned training, which is common and voluntary. Um, it gives you three credits, and it's a basic training for graduate students in all disciplines. It includes seven modules and have three study programs, one for health sciences, one for surveys and interviews, one, and one for natural sciences. The course structure is here, so you can see the programs um, as columns, and on the far right you can see the responsibility, which means that the um, persons or groups who is responsible for teaching this module. Now, module one, the teacher researchers have beforehand prepared a made-up research plan for a made-up research project, and they will di discuss and begin to plan data management of the project together with students. 
In module two, legal services together with students will take a closer look at the project data from IPR permits and licenses perspective. And module three, students begin to write the data management plan for the project. And module four, which is common for all these three programs with a green background, uh, data protection officer helps students to look at, look at the project data from the data privacy angle. So what kind of privacy notice is needed? Is there a need for risk analysis? How to anonymize or pseudonymize the data? In module five, students build the database for data gathering, organizing, and documenting. Module six, uh, students get to know how and where to store, process, project, and describe the data how to take care of the security issues, etc. Module seven, CSC, IT Center for Science in Finland, IT services and library are responsible for this. Students will learn how to store, describe, find and preserve data in Finnish national service infrastructure. They will also learn basics about sharing and citing and international, general and discipline specific repositories. So after each module, we asked feedback from the students. We asked, what did you learn? Does this change something in practice? How did teacher manage? Uh, how would you like the module to be developed? And here's just a couple answers from the feedback we got. Um, some said that they've learned a lot about the impact of GDPR and data privacy. In the future, uh, one would hope that, uh, or many actually would hope that it would be possible for everyone to make their own research plan and DMP. Um, some said that uh, they begin to plan data management in, in the beginning of the project, which sounds very good. And some said that the, they have learned a lot more about the importance of agreements, permits, and IPR. We haven't fully analyzed all the feedback yet, uh, but uh, we are thinking that if it's possible to do on DMP instead of this sort of fake DMP, so at least that I think will change for next course. So, conclusions and key findings. As the first quantitative analysis of the interviews has already revealed, there is a gap between targeted and present RDM skills. Adian's importance is ranked as very important and competencies as have somewhat competencies. So definitely a cap. These basics of research data management course is the first formal RDM tra training, trying to cover most of the generic research data lifecycle stages at the University of Turku. There have been some individual parts that have been offered already, but not this sort of full covering all, uh, all stages. And of course, what we found out also that collaboration with researchers and research support services makes you succeed. This has been very, very nice and fruitful joint operation with, within our university. So what next? We will continue with the analysis to find out doctoral students' RDM principles and practices and present the needed competencies in our university. We will continue planning the next 2020 implementation together with the specialist of Obo Academy. 
Uh, it's the Swedish-speaking uh, university in Turku. And the long-term objective is to create the RDM training path for covering undergraduate, graduate, and postdoc phases. So we have started the journey and made a little first phase of it, but lots, lots to do in the future. Here are the references, and here's Jukka, if not in present, but in, in picture. So next time you meet him, you can ask all about this from him as well. Thank you. I have a question. My name is Ingeborg Verhul. I'm from the Netherlands. I am coordinating a national coordination point for research data management. And I think it's very nice, the, the picture you gave us of the training setup at your university. But my question is, uh, do you also connect to other universities in Finland uh, who probably uh, have the same need for training to see if you can work on a national level as well? Yes, uh, there, there have already been questions about um, whether this could be a national course instead of just in our university. But this, uh, the first, of course, was, was the pilot course within our university. And now I think that we are discussing uh, first to broaden it to another uh, university in Turku. But the discussions are ongoing and there's definitely a need for a national level course as well. So there's interest in the air. <laughs> Yes, thank you for your presentation. It's very interesting what you have done for, for students. But my question is, uh, what about uh, uh, the librarians, the, the, the staff? Uh, how did you reskill uh, librarians uh, in order uh, to, 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 to teach? <laughs> uh, we have a team who is responsible for uh, publishing and open access um, issues uh, within our university. And they have been kind of... Um, gone through this sort of uh, training or exercises in order to teach in, in this course. So they've been kind of, uh, they had the training path themselves in order to support in, in this, like creating data management plan and, and um, teaching about it. So they have all also been trained within the team. Further questions? You're welcome. Okay, so thank you. Thank you again, Hilly. <laughs> so, our next presentation is on a project, um, European uh, project uh, to enhance collaboration and to promote research data management and open science within technical fields. And it's uh, Katya uh, coming, uh, speaking to us. And she's based at the University of Tampere and is um, information specialist and team leader of the research support services. And in addition, uh, we have, um, <laughs> to get it right, so where's your information? And you, Robert, right? Yeah, yeah. and Robert uh, Stroykent uh, from the Technical University uh, Braunschweig in Germany. So, okay. thank you. Uh, 
Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here uh, at LIBER, and this is my first time in LIBER, and it has been absolutely fantastic. So, uh, today, uh, me and Robert are going to present our collaborative project, uh, and we have been making the slides together with Susanna Nykuri, who's a manager of Open Science Services at Tampere University Library, but who unfortunately couldn't attend uh, the conference today. Oops. Okay, but this is the contents very briefly. Uh, so I'm going to first uh, talk a little bit of the, the background of the project. So what was the idea behind our joint collaborative project uh, for data management in technical fields? Also, uh, I'm talking about the aims of the project, and then Robert will talk about our working methods, uh, and then I'm going to talk about outcomes and outlooks, and then Robert will kind of finish this, this uh, presentation. But if we start with the background. So the background for the project, uh, or the roots, or the seeds for this project are uh, Olai, in last year, when Tampere Technical University and Technische Universität Braunschweig uh, were awarded with a seed funding project. So this uh, seed funding is a kind of a funding model for these two universities and kind of for a funding model for collaborative research projects. So we had a joint proposal and we won it so to speak. And the funding was received in order to develop services in the fields of research data management and open science in the technical fields. And uh, it was also first funding to be awarded to support services. So all the other funded projects were strictly research projects. Though in this sense, it is also very significant that we managed to acquire seed funding as, uh, as libraries. And we've also been thinking that maybe the researcher background of, of Robert and Susanna also helped in securing this funding. So I'm going to contextualize a little bit and talk about uh, our organizations. So first, uh, as I said, the seed funding project was for uh, the Technical University of Tampere, but of course, the Technical University is no more. Uh, because uh, the Technical University, University of Tampere, and Tampere University Applied Sciences, so uh, they kind of merged into this big, large university that is Tampere University in the beginning of this year. So all these three universities we had in Tampere last year, but now we only have one large university. And in all three, these three organizations, uh, there were also a library, so we had three libraries, but also the libraries in these organizations merged into one. So now uh, it is Tampere University Library. And if we're thinking about how the new organization that is approximately six months old, so the organizational structure went through changes naturally, so if we think about where the open science and, and research data is situated, we have the open science uh, services uh, unit, and Susanna is the manager of that unit, and so it's basically responsible for uh, open science 
activities in the library and open science support. And under the open science services are the three teams, so publication support, research support, and metrics. And I'm the team leader uh, of the research support services, and my team uh, does a lot of uh, counseling, consultation, uh, training, helping, aiding uh, of the researchers in research data management and open access publication. So these are the things that we offer and develop. And our library also has a very strong emphasis on integrating in national and international cooperation. So we are very active in that in, in the field of open science. So for example, we are uh, participating in the EOSC landscape. Uh, we are very active members in the working groups of the RDA plenary. And also uh, we have uh, these working groups of open science uh, in, in Finland that they are organized by the Federation of Finnish Learned Societies, uh, and we have a very comprehensive participation in all the relevant open science working groups in national level. Okay, good morning. Um, let's uh, say some words about the second partner, my university, the Technische Universität Braunschweig, our university, Library has a rather long tradition in digitization, material, books, uh, digital publication um, support, but not uh, that long experience in um, uh, open access and research data um, support we started a few years ago. Uh, as many other universities, we have a joint uh, team for research data support. It's called TUPS Research Data. It's a competence center with uh, the library, the computing center, and the research support office that is offering rather similar services in consultation and uh, planning support and all this. Uh, we. Uh, cooperate rather close with the German TU9 uh, technical universities in the field of RDM training materials that are just published, uh, first results on Zenodo for reuse. And our current activities are on uh, enhancing services for research data in the fields of uh, active data management, uh, uh, repositories and things like this. Uh, TU Braunschweig and the library is also involved in the development of the German national research data infrastructure with main focus on engineering sciences. Hmm? <laughs> so now back to the project. When we uh, Susanna and me, we met at the RDA plenary in Berlin and discussed how to uh, apply for the seed uh, funding project and discussed possible aims. And uh, I think the, uh, the large idea was, uh, the idea was, is there any chance of uh, concrete solutions uh, that can um, we developed together from Tampere and Braunschweig in the technical field. But the first step, of course, was some kind of mutual learning. 
um, and to come together and uh, show how we work, how the others work, and to see uh, what we can learn from each other. The main idea was uh, to look at the four other funded uh, projects, so four research projects, and use them as pilots for uh, looking into the chance of uh, developing joint services, so cooperative work from both parts uh, of Europe uh, in uh, concrete um, research projects, but we, but we come to this later on. Um, we started with uh, data, uh, with, with document sharing, preparing um, workshops, opening materials, uh, and had a first meeting in Braunschweig um, in last November, so before the university merger in Tampere, and had a second meeting last uh, May, uh, so it's not that far away. So mainly um, meetings uh, and some support with document sharing, uh, telephone conferences, and other methods. So some pictures from our first workshop. Uh, doesn't look very, uh, does look, look rather similar to other small workshops, but uh, of course some uh, other things all around just uh, take a look at, at old books or something like this, so not only working on uh, data, also have an impression of the university and the library in other fields. So what was this first workshop about? We learned uh, really a lot about uh, working in different national contexts in open science and research data management, for example, uh, in Germany, we have uh, a very important, high importance of freedom of research and uh, have very less uh, obligatory regulation of, in the field of data management planning. And we saw a lot what follows of these differences. In the first workshop, we had uh, uh, we asked all four research uh, projects to join our workshop to discuss uh, what they need, what they want, how we could help them. But only one uh, uh, research project came to our meeting, and they sent a really young uh, junior researcher, uh, not well prepared. Uh, uh, and um, it was something like, like a hot chair for him because uh, he said, no, we don't deal with data at all. It's not important for us. And of course, all of us asked him a lot of questions and had a lot of good ideas. And in the end, we saw really many fields uh, of the importance of data in their projects. Uh, it was about public transport and uh, they collected timetables, they had a lot of, lot of interviews, uh, they uh, collected uh, uh, data from public sites that vanished from that site when the timetable is no longer valid, so a lot of problems uh, we could uh, discuss with him, and at the end, uh, he was justifying what, what we don't, did not want, but he, I think he, as a person, was much more aware of data problems in their projects, uh, but uh, our, even after talking with the professor and the, the project leader, 
uh, nothing followed. So the awareness of uh, research data is, uh, sorry to say, uh, rather poor. Even in projects, they deal a lot with, with data problems. So this is still a problem. And think of our idea having pilot projects. Uh, it's uh, rather a mischance for us, but later on that. Um, of course, part of the workshop was uh, discussing the discussion of future opportunities in cooperation, and we found some more topics uh, worth uh, discussing and cooperating, like uh, bibliometrics, uh, bibliometric services for researchers, or uh, um, common interest in the field of research information. So we had a second workshop in Tampere uh, that was actually held uh, a month ago. And again, here you can see a couple of images. And we here, it was a two and a half day uh, workshop where we very successfully, I think, combined business and pleasure. So we had the workshop part, but then in the evenings we also had uh, like free activities, sightseeing in Tampere, and very excellent, excellent dinners. And we also had a, a, like a half-day seminar. Well, food is very important, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. uh, and we also had a half-day seminar embedded in, in our workshop where uh, more people attended. And we also had researchers there, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that here. So basically, in the second workshop, what we did, so we kind of reviewed work after the first workshop. We were kind of... Uh, getting back on track, uh, it, telling what we have been doing both in Tampere and, and in Braunschweig. And we also informed about uh, new developments, what we had been doing. Uh, there had been some improvements in Braunschweig, for example. Uh, then we also had three different researchers visiting us. We had uh, one researcher from one of the uh, seed-funded projects. Uh, in our first day workshop, he was a tenure-track professor from the Department of Built Environment in Tampere University. And he was telling uh, us about his project. And I think compared to the uh, researcher in Braunschweig, he, did, he was aware of, of the data they have, but he was not at all aware of the services we have in the library for him, library uh, was kind of a place where you can borrow books. So he was very surprised when we told him that you can actually get help for, for data management. And that is, uh, we are planning on contacting him at some point and providing our services. Uh, and as I mentioned, we had a half-day seminar. Uh, we invited two researchers uh, who, who are kind of working in the technical fields and they were telling about uh, their research data, and both were very kind of data-driven, data-intensive researchers doing a very data-intensive research, and they also had a very concrete, very specific uh, difficulties and, and questions relating to research data. So I think uh, both the researchers, uh, they could present us problems uh, regarding research data that was very helpful, in my opinion, when we are thinking about what are the researchers need in research data management. And then also uh, in the workshop, we discussed uh, future cooperation, naturally. Uh, 
But so here are some of the outcomes. And I think uh, the mutual learning is probably the biggest one, I think. So we got to learn from each other, and I think that has very strongly benefited us in many ways. Also, we were talking in the last day of, of our Tampere workshop that we kind of feel that we have this extended team now. So we have a team outside team, so we have another team in, in Braunschweig, and I hopefully that the uh, people in Braunschweig feel like they have another team in Tampere. And also, I think because our group was so small, we have a, had approximately 10 people uh, in the project. So we were able to build a very uh, kind of strong trust between each other. So we know that we can trust each other and we can get help from, from everyone. Of course, uh, what Robert already sort of mentioned was uh, that we were able to broaden our perspectives and understanding on the different practices uh, relating to research data management in, 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 our, in, our, in our countries, and also exchange knowledge. knowledge. Also, uh, Braunschweig used uh, our research data management guide that we provide in Tampere and in order to create uh, a sort of a similar self-service website for themselves. Also, we are planning on, on strengthening our international networking, uh, for example, Erasmus and Cesar. Also, one of the outcomes is that we managed to lay the groundwork or the seed uh, for any future projects we might come up with. Also, we managed to kind of create a very sort of vital and lively discussion with uh, researchers who are very kind of internationally active and very internationally cooperative about kind of international cooperation. Also, I think we incre uh, managed to increase the visibility of our services and also increase our visibility as kind of internationally connected actors. So, what may come next? We are looking for continuous cooperation and future funding. Unfortunately, the funding was only meant for one year, but I'm, hope, uh, I'm hoping that there are several uh, opportunities uh, to get a little bit more money in order to kind of uh, enhance our cooperation a bit further. We have already been planning a joint visit to uh, Delft Library Research Data Services, uh, and we are planning to especially benchmark a data stewardship model. That seems to be a very hot topic. Uh, we are also planning a bigger workshop with a focus on technical universities and fields. Uh, as Robert said, there are nine technical universities in Germany and a little less in Finland. Also, we are uh, planning on cooperating with other interest groups focusing on technical fields, such as engineering. Um, we will be having regular Skype meetings. And also, we are planning on writing an article about our collaboration and challenges in service development. We're also planning to broaden the integration to researchers in, in service development, so basically to contact the researchers and uh, use their insights uh, and their experiences in developing uh, the library services. 
We will also provide our training materials in English, uh, and we will be sharing them in Zenodo uh, in hopes of sort of uh, improving a kind of a training material literacy, if you will. We are also planning to self-evaluate our services and also to contact other seed-funded projects for possible collaboration and also to offer customized training. So, uh, if we look back uh, and see what worked and what did not work, we have uh, to be honest that our idea, idea of working with uh, pilots uh, from the uh, seed-funded uh, research projects did not succeed. Uh, what we did not had in mind is that the seed fund research projects just started with uh, writing a paper together, uh, having a joint presentation at a conference in order to prepare uh, a research project, a larger research project in future. So it was not uh, the right time to have them as pilots for real implementing services. And um, the second problem was that there was uh, the project uh, partners was not really aware uh, of research data, but the time problem, the uh, project uh, phase problem was larger, um, and so we had no chance to have the pilots. And also, without the pilots, it didn't uh, make really sense to also so to start with a concrete concept for joint services because uh, our idea, idea was to implement it really close uh, with researchers and without them we didn't want to have uh, again uh, librarians uh, have preparing services uh, without uh, possible users. So we were not able to start with this. Um, but we are prepared and hopefully uh, the uh, seed-funded projects will grow into real research projects and when they do so, we will be able to offer services. This is our hope. So, last, last uh, slide. Are there any recommendations? Uh, so, cooperation always helps, so you probably know. And um, we had a window of opportunities. It was a chance having the um, funding, and probably it was not our first idea to think about Tampere <laughs> when, when uh, thinking about cooperation. But having this chance, it was really very helpful, uh, and we learned a lot of it. And having the fund funding, uh, it was... Uh, based on rather close similarities of both universities in size, in research topics, uh, and all this. So it is really a good uh, context for future uh, cooperation. And similar interests are, of course, a good uh, basis for future collaboration. So common goal, without common goals, there is no chance for uh, long-lasting cooperation. Of course, we have to look at differences. We are not the same, but we have to look where are similarities, where are common interests. And it does not work with um, 
with uh, good feelings, with uh, personal attitude, and we are very happy to have a really close uh, relationship with our partners. So, this is our, um, yeah, our talk. There are some contributors to the workshops, to our slides, and yeah, thank you very much for your attention. So how did you find each other? <laughs> how did you find each other as, as partners in the project? As you have not started from, you had joint projects already, mm. where you felt a need for creating joint services. How did we find each other yeah, like, uh, as partners? As partners, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think everything kind of felt very natural. Well, um, if I may, mm. Oops. Oops. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I myself have been to Tampere several years ago as Erasmus Staff Exchange, so mm -hmm. I had an yeah, idea so of Tampere, and ten years later, uh, <laughs> I saw this application, and then we were at the RDFA plenary in the mm -hmm. same session, is another thing yeah. that helped us talk together and mm. find each other and mm. say, let's use this application as a chance for cooperation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. So, question to the uh, audience. I mean, is this something Libor should do? I mean, matchmaking? <laughs> <laughs> In the sense of um, for Erasmus exchange or for such collaborations where people uh, work together and maybe then publish little reports on the, on the blog mm. or something. Yeah. Hello, uh, I'm from Hungary, uh, and Hungary is a country where research data management is not a well-established uh, practice. And I think we would be very glad uh, to, uh, to have uh, a, a partner from some, some other countries where uh, those practices are established and have a chance to, well, uh, bootstrap or efforts uh, uh, by learning from, from other partners. So I certainly uh, see uh, some reason for a kind of matchmaking. Okay, so if... Thank you very Can much again. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so now we have Mike Yetten from uh, Radboud University. Yes. Speaking on um, a project where they created um, yeah, very sophisticated materials around uh, data stewardship. Thank you. Um, so my name is Mike Yetten. I'm, uh, though I'm from Radboud University, I speak as well kind of a representative from, well, the Dutch project on uh, data stewardship. Uh, well, I don't do that alone, so I have some colleagues who worked on it with me together. So Utrecht University, Groningen University, of course Radboud University. Um, it both included, well, the medical part as well as the general university. Um, and we have a partner with the Dutch Tech Center for Life Sciences. What I'm going to present today is a project on data stewardship. Well, data stewardship and uh, well the example of TU Delft was already mentioned in the previous presentation well uh, we started a project on well 
generating, analyzing, um, finding similarities on data stewardship in the Netherlands. And I guess, well, the way we set up the project, it can very easily be translated to different countries and different situations because we just made a basic line. And I'm very happy to have some feedback and have some input as well from other countries to see whether our model really is useful in another context as well. So I'm going to introduce you to the project. Um, and well, we have some deliverables on the project already. Uh, the first one is a function profile for uh, various types of data stewards. I'm going to introduce something on uh, knowledge, skills, and abilities of data stewards. So to be able to teach data stewards, we have to know well, what they need to know, what they need to be skilled in, and what they need to be able to do, uh, well, to be able to good data stewards. Uh, and we started with formulating specific, quite detailed learning objectives as well to train data stewards, uh, well, from the perspective of the Netherlands. Um, and I'm going to, because it's an ongoing project, it formally finishes at the end of August, but we already have plans to continue the uh, project. So I'm going to explain the next steps to you and, well, again, ask for your cooperation as well to make it as internationally as possible. So it's only a small project. We had 50K uh, from one of our main funders in the Netherlands. It's uh, one of our medical funders. So formally the focus is medical and life sciences, but I think hardly anything on medical or life sciences is mentioned in the products we delivered. So though the focus is med medical formally, uh, it can be used by various disciplines, and it's relevant for various disciplines as well. So forget about the medical part. But we do appreciate very much that it was funded, of course. Um, well, it was, well, to be able to, uh, uh, to uh, have the project, create the project, we asked also a lot of in-kind contributions. So, well, 50K seems like a lot of money, but to uh, cooperate, like the previous talk was also about to cooperate and to uh, organize things when you need some money to do that. So we, uh, we are very gratefully for all in-kind contributions of our partners. Um, well, you can find, uh, we created right away from the start is a community on Zenodo. So if you are interested, not right now, listen to my talk first, but afterwards you can browse the community and see the um, deliverables we already have out there in the field already. Um, well, the aim of the project, well, a big part is on well, the FAIR acronym. So it's been a popular thing to do something with FAIR, and it's the same situation in the Netherlands. So we could, well, we had to include something on the data lifecycle that was introduced in the first talk already, and we had to do something with the FAIR acronym as well. But we focused on professionalizing the data stewardship function. Um, and that was also in the, a few years ago, Barend Mons, a well, famous researcher from um, um, the Netherlands, he uh, got this call out that we actually need data stewards to be able to perform the tasks on research data management in general. And in the previous two uh, presentation, I think it is not that much about labels. So it could be data librarians, it could be data managers, it could be data officers. I don't know what kind of names there are out there, but we try to find a, <coughs> a main term, terminology, and that, well, the, the, the term data stewardship is quite popular one. So think broadly when I use the term data stewardship. Um, 
While the context is quite clear, there is actually a lack of high-quality data stewardship expertise. A lot of people know a lot of things, but if you ask what a data steward, data steward really does, should do, has to do, will do to be fair in the future, uh, well, the answers are quite fake. Um, and there is a lot of diversity as well. So we thought it would be nice to have a project on what well, kind of formalizing, standardizing, standardize those data stewardship tasks and responsibilities. Um, and what was mentioned already that, well, there is a lack of, well, there was a question about educating people from the library on research data management. Well, there is a lack of formal training. There is a lack of uh, a certification. And it would be nice if there, well, there is some acknowledgement for all the work we do as data librarians, data stewards, data officers, etc. Um, and our approach was a collaborative approach. So we work with the community a lot to find out what is done already, what kind of data stewards exist. Um, and well, the goal was then to create those standardized job descriptions and formalizing the function. A big part is also on uh, creating visibility of the function uh, because data stewardship is out there and if we uh, have it in, well, in a formal standardized way, it's easier to uh, well, get people for those kind of jobs and get it a bit profiled more. Um, and of course, the training aspect is relevant as well. I'm just going to show you a bit on the training, but we're not as far as we expect it to be, but I'm going to show uh, why. Um, so our first deliverable is out there already. It's a uh, well, huge matri uh, matrix with a lot of rows and um, um, line cells with information on what a data steward uh, well, has to know, is responsible for, what kind of tasks he or she has, and it's based on, well, we did two things. We, um, uh, we analyzed uh, job advertisements, um, focused on data stewardship, and we mapped everything we got from those um, job advertisements and our knowledge uh, to existing competency frameworks. So there are a lot of works done already. Uh, some of them are top-down, but some of them are bottom-up bottom also. Uh, for instance, the EOS pilot, Purdue University, and the Dama and Edison frameworks. These are really nice frameworks uh, in which, well, competencies for data stewards were already kind of sorted out. And we match them to the data lifecycle, so the various aspects of the data lifecycle and the different fair aspects. Um, well, in the, in the presentations, you see, you see a, um, a small view, a small part of the matrix. Uh, but if you go to the Zenodo community, you can enlarge it and see the whole full matrix. Um, but we, by doing those analysis, we first started with two data stewards and we uh, added another data steward. So we don't have proper names for them yet. We do have a division in tasks and responsibilities. We have our data steward A and a data steward A is well mainly on the institutional level, sometimes in a department, but often just mainly in university. And it is a coordinating job. It is policy oriented. In addition, we have a data steward B, and a data steward B is more focused on well, the project. So he might be an embedded researcher or an embedded uh, support, while well, someone from support staff, but that's a really operational job. It's more uh, support-oriented. Uh, when we sorted out those two data stewards, we quickly added the third one, and that is more, uh, well, the data steward uh, C focused on data and e-infrastructure. Well, 
E-infrastructure is one, I'm going to show you later on, an important part of all data stewards. Uh, but, well, in the field there exist data stewards who particularly focus on that area. So uh, data infrastructure, e-infrastructure uh, is also quite operational and, uh, well, support focused. Um, we, uh, well, the, the way the um, um, matrix is set up, it started with eight main knowledge areas. Uh, and for all those knowledge areas, we divided um, responsibilities of the various data stewards and tasks of the various data stewards. In a later phase, we also added knowledge, skills, and abilities. I'm going to come back to that and learning objectives. But this is just one of the cells, and well, you have to multiply it by eight times three. So then you have an idea how big, well, how much information is in the deliverables already. Well, there are, as I mentioned, those eight knowledge areas. The first one is, well, the focus on policy and strategy. That's, well, that's where it kind of all started for most universities. There is a policy or there should be a policy uh, on research data management. Then the second part, it has become more important with, well, we had existing uh, legislation already, but with the GDPR, the compliance to legislation becomes more and more important. So that is an important aspect of a data stewardship job as well. The third one is specifically the FAIR part. So FAIR is out there and, uh, well, we should deal with it. So fairness is an important area, knowledge area of all data stewards. Um, then there are various services. So depending on the type of data steward, he or she has various services to offer or is included in various services that are within a university or a research organization. Of course, for all those data stewards, there is something on infrastructure, so they have to deal with infrastructure, they have to be aware of that, they have, to, they have tasks in, uh, well, setting out the infrastructure, explaining the infrastructure. And then there is this shared base of knowledge. You need to have knowledge and you need to, need to be educated and you need to educate people uh, as a data steward. Uh, of course, there's a network part as well. We don't, those, I'm going to show you later on, those data stewards aren't data stewards on their own. They always network with people and they can be people, they can be, uh, well, another type of data steward, but they could also be people around those data stewards, like legal support, like um, ICT uh, support, deans, uh, management boards, um, well, maybe very project-specific jobs like a data scientists or researchers. Um, so that's an important part of data stewardship as well. And then the final part, it's still a bit of an odd, uh, ad, uh, an odd element in the list, it's data archiving. Well, you might think data archiving is part of the FAIR principles anyway, so why, um, why specifically data archiving? We kind of noticed that a lot of data stewards have jobs within archiving, they could be data creators as well. And while well, all the, well, the data lifecycle and many other competency models work towards, while well, the final part is well, archiving the data and possibly making the data open accessly available. So we specifically, uh, explicitly uh, took out that element, but it's a, a model under construction. So uh, it could be the case that in about a few months, we add some areas, delete some areas, or have fresh new ideas on that. Um, well, the matrix was very well received by the broad uh, international community. We got a lot of feedback, but the general uh, main line was that it's good that it's out there. There were hardly any partners who, on that detailed level, thought about data stewardship. 
it's a living document, so feedback is continuously uh, incorporated, so we, we encourage you to give feedback on the model as well, uh, so we can update it regularly. And we recently tested it with uh, uh, two one-day sessions with Dutch data stewards, uh, and they included librarians as well, but I get back to uh, uh, the library. So we drafted out a model to have an idea about what those data stewards uh, do and are, and especially the, the different areas of overlapping. So in the, um, uh, the red circle is the uh, data steward A. It's a data steward who focuses on policy, and uh, while well, he or she defines, implements, makes sure uh, that there is are these in institutional policies, there are procedures for that, uh, for specific data, use cases, for FAIR, for GDPR. Of course, that data steward doesn't do that alone. So he has the policy makers, the funders, the um, um, mandatorial uh, boards, the deans, etc. cetera, uh, but also uh, the EU, uh, other uh, um, countries, anything on policy that while well, he or she has to deal with, he or she get input, the data steward A, from that site, uh, those existing jobs already. Then we have the data steward um, B, so it's a yellow uh, circle, and he or she is well, more into a project. He might be in a faculty or in a specific project, and well, what he or she does is translating those general policies into well, specific workflows, ways that uh, researchers work with data, deal with data in their current jobs. Uh, so it's about choosing tools, choosing standards, choosing infrastructure, uh, but then from the project, the main project uh, uh, um, basis. And in addition to those data stewards, there are the data scientists, there are the scientists who uh, ask, have needs, who give input to the data steward. And it's the data steward B who helps those researchers and data scientists as well. Then you have the data steward uh, C, and he or she is quite close to the IT personnel, the technicians, the application managers, all infrastructural tools available in an organization. And he or she makes sure that, well, the needs of the researchers, the needs of the policymakers are translated into practical tools and that those tools meet the requirements of the researchers and the policymakers. Um, well, what you see is that there are, is quite some overlap. Well, that's how it works with circles. If you draw circles, you have overlaps. Uh, but what we found out during the uh, um, work sessions is that in the middle, well, you kind of have the FAIR data, because FAIR meets with both policy, with uh, specific projects, with IT solutions. And right in that middle, we kind of, during the work, workshop, did a positioning game, so people in the room had to position themselves in the field, and a lot of people were actually in the middle. And we kind of asked, where, why are you in the middle? Are you in the middle because, well, that's the only solution right now. You have to be in the middle because you don't have A, B, and C in place, and you are A, B, and C, well, in one person. That was partly the answer. It's just the need on, well, all those types of data stewards, but they don't exist yet, or there's not enough money to have all those data stewards. But there are a lot of data stewards in the middle out of, uh, well, from the library perspective, from a general, uh, uh, well, they are kind of, I'm, I'm coming back to that, what we refer to in the Netherlands as the five leg sheep. So those are, well, people that in fact don't exist, but they do have to exist because we have all those needs and all those researchers and policymakers and IT people are 
dragging and asking them uh, about uh, various uh, uh, things, specifically on FAIR, because FAIR is a, is, is a hot topic as well. Um, so what we did when we had this uh, matrix with uh, responsibility, so the, the eight knowledge areas, um, well, we drafted out what kind of responsibilities uh, on those areas the data steward A, B, and C had to do, and we translated that into specific tasks and activities. And then what we did is kind of sorted out what do you need to know on those detailed levels about on that specific task, on that specific knowledge area, as a specific data steward, what do you need to know and what do you need to be skilled in or able to do? Just to give an example, so for the compliance area, so that's compliance to the GDPR, to other existing legislation to make sure that it, those uh, legislation are translated into practical uh, um, uh, working processes that meet up with the needs of the uh, scientists, so that would be the responsibilities and the task as well, well, an example of it. And, well, of course, you need to be knowledgeable in something, and we drafted out that on this specific aspect, that you need to be knowledgeable about the legislation, ethics, code of conduct, research code with regard to research data, uh, research and privacy. So that's just an example of what you need to know on a, one of, in one of the cells in the matrix. Um, so what do you need to be skilled in and able to do is you need to be able to translate those legislation and code of conducts into practical implementations and guidelines that researchers can understand. It seems quite straightforward um, to do that. Um, but, well, it, it's, if you don't draft this out, it's really hard to, uh, to develop training and to sort out uh, what kind of data stewards need if you don't go back to this detailed uh, level. So during those data steward workshop, uh, workshops, we had uh, 42 highly motivated active uh, participants, and they were representatives from all the various research organizations and universities in uh, the Netherlands. And we, as I mentioned already, we had some A, some B, some C uh, data stewards, but we had a lot of in-between data stewards. And while well, we kind of concluded that data stewardship is so new that, well, we are currently, all those data stewards are those five lakh sheep that I already referred to. Um, they also mentioned that, well, the matrix we sorted out was really uh, valuable and recognizable to what they do and also to what they think that should be done in the future as being a good data steward. Uh, and well, the diagram that I showed with uh, red and uh, blue and yellow circles, so we refer to it as a Venn diagram, that is very useful for an organization to map data stewardship, uh, the different roles that are out there. Um, but it, for a data steward itself, it could be useful to convert it into a spider diagram. We saw an, in the first presentation an example of the spider diagram. It really points out what kind of competencies we could focus on, we should focus on. So that is really helpful. We're going to do that in, in uh, well, the next phase of the project, to work on personal competencies. And what we find out as well, that it isn't that much about being a proper function. Data stewards are often not hired as data steward. They, it's in most cases an additional role. Um, and well, that's something you can discuss. Is it enough to be a role or should there be a clear certification, clear job description? and to transform it into a real uh, function. Well, uh, uh, well, one of the final steps was well, translating all we did into learning objectives and training to be able to focus on uh, training, proper training for data stewards. 
Um, so I just gave an example. So the, the compliance uh, um, uh, responsibility that I explained, well, learning objectives could be explain the legislation and codes of conduct uh, to researchers. That is, well, something you should be able to apply. And for that, we use Bloom's uh, uh, taxonomy. It's an educational scientist. And depending on the level in Bloom's pyramid, there are various uh, versions of, there are circle versions of Bloom's taxonomy as well. Uh, but applying is a bit higher than, for instance, understanding and remembering. So we took into account the different versions of, um, well, the different aspects, the different um, um, phases of applying that knowledge. Another example is being able to examine and list the practical implications of those legislations uh, with regard to research data. So that is more about, um, well, listing what uh, on the uh, compliance area, what a researcher should do, know, uh, 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 include in his project. But to be able to transfer that as a data steward, you should do that yourself first. So it's, it's a skill you need to, a learning objective uh, included in a training to be able to perform that yourself. Another example is create a guideline based on legislation and codes of conduct. So translating policy into guidelines it could be a part of a training to uh, prepare uh, data stewards. Um, so we focused on training as well. I mentioned already that that is a hard aspect training um, because we kind of, we had a really nice exercises where we, we printed out all the various cells of the matrix and we had all our data stewards map what they, where they learned, what was on the, uh, on the print and what, what they were missing in training, what they wanted to learn. Uh, well, it's a very easy but kind of disappointing conclusion that, well, they kind of learn it on the job. And, uh, well, that's not a proper base for, uh, well, having a, 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 tr a formal training program, having formal certification if you learn anything, everything on the job. We do in the Netherlands have a really nice training, so it's essentials for data support training, and they requested an, an updated advanced uh, version of that. But that's just one of the few examples that actual trainings were mentioned. Um, and what was important as well, that they really wanted to know how to communicate with their policymakers to make sure that data stewardship is seen as important, that it is an important aspect to, um, well, to, to uh, dive into. And that is what is often forgotten within research data management. So the next steps, um, what we, because it was, it was only a short-term project and we actually wanted to have e-learning modules out, but we find it out during the way that, you, well, you can start drafting out a lot of e-learning e modules and a basis for a training, but if you don't detail out all the knowledge and the skills and abilities and the specific learning objectives, it becomes kind of arbitrary training. So we got the basis there. It's a quite nice basis. And on that, we work with an uh, existing company, Elevate Health, a really well-known company, and they help us translate that into practical training. So that's the next step for our next project. And we, I always refer to uh, the mantra uh, training. I don't know whether you're familiar with mantra, but mantra is quite nice as it kind of identifies gaps within your knowledge uh, area in your domain, so you can uh, take only those modules that are interested to you because you have gaps in, uh, in knowledge. And another example is, is the Foster Taxonomy of Open Science Trainings. It would be nice on data stewardship if we have, because we have a lot of, well, we have 
the model out there, if you could match the model with existing trainings and you could browse through a taxonomy to find the training you need. So to do that, we work with the, uh, national, uh, the Dutch National uh, Platform for Open Science, and they are, they are tempted to uh, uh, finance as a follow-up of our project. Uh, and we also work with a lot of national uh, and international projects. For instance, the terms for a fair skills workshop uh, by uh, EOSC uh, and uh, CoData and Elixir DT DTL. Uh, in Paris last May, and uh, we're trying to cooperate uh, also uh, with Elixir training platform, community of practices of training coordinators, so there's a lot of going on uh, to make sure that it's internationally met as well. And uh, before I end, I want to refer to an existing project as well. So we have, uh, as Ingeborg already mentioned, with one, uh, as, uh, when asking a question, we have in the Netherlands the Landelijk uh, Coordinatiepunt Research Data Management, National Platform on Research Data Management, and they recently got out a, a really nice project on data stewardship as well. I was involved as well, so we matched a lot between the projects, but she has it in her bag, so if you want a copy of it, uh, go to her, and, and it's a really nice report on the state of uh, data stewardship. Um, so the focus was the uh, collaborative approach. I don't know, you might have questions yourself, but if you don't have any questions, I'm quite interested to find out uh, how our project on data stewardship uh, is relevant to you as uh, a librarian and how it connects to your daily work. Do you see a match with, with the, data steward, the types of data stewards we drafted out? Um, and what is, I think, mostly important is we're probably going to have a follow-up of the project and we want to keep continue working on the model we have right now. If you have relevant issues that I didn't notice, that I didn't point it out or aren't in, in all the deliverables of the project, please shout out to me because we can take it into account in uh, next version. So I happily invite you to uh, connect to me and talk to me with your thoughts on data stewardship and your experiences as different countries. So thank you for your uh, attention, and I'm really curious about existing questions. So thank you very much, Micah. Questions? Hi. Thank you. That's. I, I was really impressed by the amount of work that must have gone into uh, matching up those skills and competencies, so congratulations. Uh, Birgit and I are involved in library carpentries, um, um, what's it, advisory group, and one of our goals is to uh, match up the learning outcomes. For those who don't know, library carpentry uh, is a set of uh, half-day-long lessons, open source, taught by uh, people physically, in-person instructors, uh, and it's dealing mostly with hard technical skills. We are working on, uh, I think there are in the pipeline, uh, RDM and uh, FAIR lessons. Um, but one of our goals is to match up the, um, the uh, learning outcomes uh, with st standards, uh, educational standards, uh, with a view to inserting those possibly into curriculums or curricula uh, in, uh, in library schools, possibly, uh, or as uh, in, in other programs. Um, we would love to speak to you at the birds of a feather afterwards, uh, but thanks very much uh, for yeah. that.
It's exactly the way around, because that's what our aim is. We want to reuse existing materials. So if it isn't out there, then we need to create it. But I'm quite sure that there is really a lot out there. I learned a lot while in the, uh, the, the conference already on existing trainings. So what we actually want to focus on is trying to, uh, well, that, that taxonomy, so map existing materials to the skills and the responsibilities and the tasks and activities. So to be able to just click a button and to see, well, this is the area I lack, or maybe take a survey and find out the areas you lack knowledge on, and then click through and find suitable trainings. And what we, the only thing, well, in my view, we would like to do is make sure that the trainings are mapped to the learning objectives and to the activities and not reinventing the wheel and make a new training if it already exists. So I'm really happy about existing, to, to become aware of existing training materials, training e-learning modules, to be able to map that out and to see where we can cooperate. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I will meet you up in <laughs> the next session. So yeah. anyone else? Comments, questions? Oh yeah, let me go. Coming here. Hi, I'm Sarah from Saxon University of Applied Sciences from the Netherlands. You've just made me very happy. Very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've tried to uh, uh, write down the skills for my data stewards or data librarians, research librarians. We're not, we're still not sure what name to use. Um, I have, I'm curious because I have a certain fight with my human resource management because they do not know uh, the skills they needed. I am trying to get a new uh, function yeah. and uh, I get a feedback uh, that it's in scale, well, too low for my uh, kind of uh, yeah. <laughs> experience. So. I want yeah. to talk to you about that because yep. I'm very curious uh, about your discussion with uh, that part of the <laughs> university as well. So yeah, two replies to that. So one is again the report that Ingeborg has with her. So we uh, in that um, um, a report is also uh, well a mapping of existing job vacancies to actually also. The, the scaling in the phase new, uh, well, the, that's the Dutch yeah. scaling uh, uh, model. Uh, so that is, it's about nine, ten, or eleven, yeah. and it, uh, it for some job functions for some data students that's really low. That I agree. But what we also we're trying to do with the project, but it will be the next, the follow up of the project within the national context of the NEMS, we try to create a new a profile or an additional profile in the phase new, the existing uh, profiles, and that's a bit harder to translate internationally, yeah. uh, but well, to have it out as an example, to lay it in addition to your existing job descriptions, uh, but it should be, I think it should be an additional uh, uh, function, function in the yeah. function house as we currently know it in the Netherlands, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm happy we'll, to talk yeah. to you as well. We'll keep in touch yeah. with Ingeborg as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Saskia Skelchens, Rijksmuseum Amsterdam. Um, congratulations for a very interesting presentation. Um, I, have a, I come from a slightly different background from specialized research libraries, and um, uh, we come even from way back, uh, uh, so there needs to be a lot more work even done uh, on that side. 
Um, what I see at Rack's Museum is that some of the uh, people within my department um, that are called, used to be called documentalists are now slowly moving towards um, a data stewardship. Yeah. Um, and especially specialized research libraries coming from a heritage perspective bring in another set of requirements and, and expertise that uh, might be useful uh, to take with uh, yeah. the set of requirements that you're making. Yeah, well that is because I, I started with the Venn diagram and well, uh, as I showed you, there are a lot of side jobs, well, who has to well, have to feed the data, the data steward A, B, and C to be able to do his or her job. Well, those data stewards can't work without those existing jobs around it. And just to give an example, I saw when I was on the tr on the flight while I was landing uh, here in Dublin, I got this uh, um, uh, email from it was well from LinkedIn, so it was badly translated and was just probably general email send it out, but it was referring to, I, uh, I, I noticed you being a data steward, because I'm a data steward as well, uh, you being a data steward, and we really want to hire you. And then I thought it was just, uh, well, general email, but I thought, do you actually have a clue what I'm doing as a data steward? Because the job you're describing mm -hmm. is really different. That's not the data stewardship I'm doing. So data stewardship, it, it has become, it's a popular term, but it has become a difficult term as well, because it seems to be such an umbrella term that nobody knows what a data steward is or does. So that's why we put into all those detailed levels, and we're really happy. I'm quite curious when we look back in another year, whether we still have those three data stewards, or we might have four or five data stewards, and we might be able to map all those overlapping levels as well. So I'm going to talk to you as well to have your view included in, well, the Venn diagram. Okay. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you all again. I think we can close the session now. Thank you very much to the speakers for your excellent presentations today and the audience for engaging with us. Enjoy the coffee break.